Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. And this is the Whispering Woods podcast. This episode is all about... The Autumn Equinox, or Mavon. It is, yeah. This is a little bit disjointed, this episode, because I was like, oh, I want to put that in, oh, I want to do this. Because what I'm really trying to do is conjure up a real a real sort of folky, um, pagan, autumn, harvest, spooky episode, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. So in the introduction, I've got parts about autumn equinox, the harvest moon, um, some different sort of spirits that are agricultural spirits or wild spirits um, of the wild places. So we c- kind of cover a lot of it in this introduction. And then I've got two spooky stories to share. But first of all, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash The Whispering Woods. Also, come and join our um, Facebook page. It's a bit of a giggle over there, and um, we'd love to have some more people. Right, enough about me. (laughs) Are you ready for the introduction? Yes, I am. Across different cultures around the world, the autumn equinox is marked with various customs, beliefs and festivals to symbolise the transition from the warmth of summer to the cool embrace of autumn. Mabon is one such festival that celebrates the second harvest and the transition of the earth into the season of autumn 
It takes place around September the 21st or 22nd in the Northern Hemisphere and around March the 21st or 22nd in the Southern Hemisphere. This festival has its roots in ancient Celtic and pagan traditions and it's often associated with a variety of folklore and mythical tales. According to folklore, Mabon is named after the Welsh deity Mabon ap Modron, who is believed to be the son of the Earth Mother Goddess Modron. Mabon was a divine child who possessed great wisdom and spiritual insight. However, his birth was shrouded in mystery, as he was stolen from his mother's side after just three nights. Despite his disappearance, Mabon grew up in the womb of his mother until he was finally born on the day of the autumn equinox. The story goes that Mabon was kidnapped by a fearsome creature called the Black Boar, who imprisoned him deep within the bowels of the earth. The Earth Mother, devastated by the loss of her beloved son, searched for him tirelessly, but her efforts were in vain. She called upon her allies in the animal kingdom, the birds and the spirits of the forest, asking for their help in finding Mabon. The animals and the spirits responded to her plea for assistance, and together they embarked on a great quest to rescue Mabon from his captivity. The owl, known for its wisdom and ability to see in the darkness, scoured the shadows in search of any signs or clues. The eagle, with its keen eyesight, flew high above the land to scout for any hidden locations. The stag, known for its swiftness, raced through the woods to cover as much ground as possible. The salmon, with its knowledge of the underwater realms, explored the depths of rivers and seas. After a long and treacherous journey, the animals and spirits finally located Mabon in a deep and dark dungeon. They fought valiantly against the Black Boar, using their unique abilities and powers to overcome the creature's defences. Ultimately, they succeeded in rescuing Mabon and restoring him to his mother's side. The reunion of Mabon and Modron is celebrated during the Festival of Mabon as it represents the return of balance and harmony to the world. It's a time when day and night are of equal length, symbolising the equilibrium between light and darkness. It's also a time of gratitude for the bountiful harvest, as the crops are gathered and stored for the coming colder months. During the Mabon festival, people engage in various rituals and traditions to honour the changing of the seasons and to express gratitude for the abundance of nature. They gather in circles, perform dances and chants and create altars adorned with symbols of the harvest, such as pumpkins, corn and apples. Offerings are made to the Earth Mother, thanking her for her blessings and seeking her continued guidance and protection. Mabon is seen as a time of reflection and introspection, as well as a time for setting intentions and goals for the future. 
It's believed that the energy of the equinox can be harnessed to bring balance and harmony into one's life. Many people use this occasion to meditate, perform divination or engage in other spiritual practices to connect with the natural rhythms of the earth and the cycles of life. Overall, the folklore of Mabon is a tale of courage, unity and the power of nature. It reminds us of the importance of working together, respecting the earth and celebrating the abundance that comes with the changing seasons. During this time of year, we can discover a multitude of enchanting nature spirits. These spirits hold significant importance and deserve our utmost respect. They embody the essence of harvest and the untamed beauty found in the wild places. Let's take a brief look into the captivating realm of European folklore that intertwines with these mystical beings. Puck is a mischievous and playful supernatural creature that appears in English folklore and literature. He is often associated with the greenwood, which refers to the wild and wooded areas of the countryside. Puck is believed to be a shapeshifter, capable of taking various forms, such as a small, impish creature, a hairy wild man, or even an animal. He is known for his mischievous nature and enjoys playing pranks on humans, particularly farmers and those working in the fields. Some of his tricks include leading people astray, hiding tools or belongings, and creating confusion and chaos. Puck is often shown as a small elf-like creature with pointed ears and a cheeky grin. He is known for his quick wit, agility, and ability to manipulate nature. Despite his tricks, Puck is generally seen as a harmless and playful spirit, more interested in having fun than causing harm. The character of Puck has had a lasting impact on literature and popular culture. He is often portrayed as a symbol of the wild and untamed spirit of nature, representing the unpredictable and whimsical aspects of life. Puck's playful nature continues to captivate audiences and serves as a reminder of the enchantment that can be found in the natural world. Now on to the Leshy. The Leshy is a mythical creature from Slavic folklore, primarily found in the forests of Eastern Europe. It's believed to be a forest spirit or guardian that possesses shape-shifting abilities and a deep connection to nature. The Leshy is often described as a tall and humanoid figure, covered in shaggy mossy hair and adorned with leaves and twigs. It's said to have glowing eyes and a mischievous grin. Sometimes it's depicted with a tail, hooves or even antlers, emphasising its connection to the animal kingdom. The Leshy is believed to be master of the forest and all its inhabitants. It's said to have the power to control animals, trees and even the weather. This creature is known for its ability to manipulate its surroundings, making travellers lose their way, creating illusions 
or imitating the sounds of animals or humans. It's said to be capable of imitating the voices of loved ones to lure people deeper into the forest. While the Leshy can be mischievous and play tricks on humans, it's not typically considered malevolent. Instead, it's seen as a protector of the forest and its wildlife. Some legends even suggest that the Leshy punishes those who harm the forest or disrespect nature. Therefore, it's wise to show respect to the Leshy and the natural world when entering its domain. The Leshy is deeply connected to the cycle of seasons and the vitality of the forest. It's believed to gain strength during the spring and summer, when nature is vibrant and lush. In the winter months, when the forest lies dormant, the Leshy is said to retreat into hibernation or transform itself into a tree until the arrival of spring. Feldgeister folklore refers to a type of supernatural belief or legend associated with the concept of field spirits in German folklore. The term Feldgeister translates to field spirit or field ghosts in English. These spirits are believed to inhabit fields, meadows, forests and other rural landscapes. According to the folklore, Feldgeister are often depicted as mischievous or malevolent beings. They are said to be responsible for causing crop failures, animal illnesses and other disturbances in agricultural settings. These spirits were traditionally seen as protectors and guardians of the natural world and any disrespect or harm done to the land could result in their wrath. Feldgeister are often represented as invisible entities, but sometimes they're portrayed as small humanoid figures with wild hair, tattered clothing and glowing eyes. They're believed to roam the fields at night, causing mischief and playing pranks on humans. Some stories describe the Feldgeister as shapeshifters, capable of taking on the appearance of animals or objects. To ward off the influence of Feldgeister, various protective measures have been suggested in folklore. These include leaving offerings or gifts for the spirits, performing rituals to appease them, or creating scarecrows or other effigies to deter their presence. Additionally, some farmers would recite prayers or chants to protect their crops and livestock from the malevolent influence of these spirits. Feldgeister folklore is deeply rooted in German agricultural traditions and has been passed down through generations. While the belief in these spirits has diminished with modernization and urbanization, elements of Feldgeister folklore can still be found in local customs and stories in some rural communities in Germany. During this period, you may also witness the harvest moon. The harvest moon is the full moon closest to the autumn equinox, usually occurring in September or October in the Northern Hemisphere. It's known for its unique characteristics, including its low trajectory and early rising time, which provides extended periods of moonlight during the harvest season. Typically, the full moon rises and sets in opposition to the sun's schedule 
as they are positioned on opposite sides of the Earth during this lunar phase. As a result, the moon rises about 50 minutes later each night as it follows its tilted orbit. But during the harvest moon, the moon's orbit aligns almost parallel to the Earth's eastern horizon at sunset. Consequently, not only does the full moon promptly rise at sunset, but it also rises only 25 to 30 minutes later each day. This delay gradually decreases the further north one is from the equator, according to astronomy.com. As a result, we experience several evenings with full or nearly full moons, illuminating the sky as the sun sets. The harvest moon is also known by various names, such as corn moon, barley moon, or wine moon. Some of these names indicate the crops traditionally harvest with the assistance of this radiant moon. The extended moonlight during the harvest moon is believed to be beneficial for farmers, as it provides additional illumination during the evenings, allowing them to work and gather crops late into the night. This extra light was especially valuable for the advent of electric lighting, enabling farmers to be able to maximise their harvest before the onset of winter. The harvest moon is often associated with abundance, prosperity and fertility. In many cultures, it's seen as a time to celebrate the successful harvest and give thanks for the bounties of the earth. It represents the culmination of a year's hard work and the gathering of resources for the winter months ahead. Throughout history, people have celebrated the harvest moon with various rituals and festivities. These include harvest festivals, feasts and gatherings where communities come together to enjoy the fruits of their labour. In some traditions, people would dance, sing and offer prayers or sacrifices to ensure a prosperous harvest in the coming year. Some folklore suggests that the harvest moon has mystical or supernatural qualities. It's said to have a calming effect on people and animals, making them more tranquil and reflective. Additionally, legends tell tales of increased fertility during the harvest moon with some cultures associating it with romantic love and matchmaking. In certain mythologies, the harvest moon is linked to deities or mythical figures. For example, in Greek mythology, the goddess Demeter, who presided over agriculture and the harvest, is often associated with the harvest moon. In other cultures, the moon itself is personified as a deity, playing a central role in agricultural myths and legends. The folklore surrounding the harvest moon varies across different cultures, reflecting the deep-rooted connections between humans, nature and the changing seasons. It embodies themes of abundance, gratitude and the importance of hard work and community in ensuring a successful harvest. I really, really love the harvest time. Yeah. I don't know why. It's only been the last sort of five years I've really got into it. I just think it's really magical. And um, what I'm going to do is watch The Living and the Dead 
all episodes because the essence of all of that sort of feeling I'm trying to capture, but possibly not all that well in this podcast episode, is in that TV program. And if you haven't watched it, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. Also, some of it was filmed in Bristol, I might just add. What is it? It's called The Living in the Dead. And? It's brilliant. It's honestly, it's one of my best programmes. I've told you about it before and I actually, when I tweeted Netflix and told them to take the rights and and start (laughs) making it and they ignored me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, a girl's got to try. What I'm also going to do in the Facebook group is compile a list of like folk horror at this time of year and put it on the magical spreadsheet that I'm making. So if anybody wants to get in the mood, um, have a little look at that and uh, give you some ideas of what to watch. What's the harvest? The harvest? Yeah. <laughs> harvest time, when you cut all the corn. Um, so you take all the harvest in. Like years ago, it would have been a really frightening time, you know? So they would have had to get all the harvest done, get it all inside, and basically that would have to see them through, through the winter. Um, so sometimes if you had a really bad harvest, people would die, essentially. So with the harvest, mm-hmm. do people like give tins of food away? That's the harvest festival, which is something very British. Yeah. <laughs> so like when you go to school and you went to, and all the parents get the rubbishy tins out of their cupboard. <laughs> and um, they, they do the harvest festival, so like giving thanks. And yeah. Then they will take the food to, you know, they either do raffles or you can buy the food and take it back to your home and put it in your cupboards. <laughs> or they give it to charity and things like that. Yeah. I love the harvest. I used to love the harvest festival at school. And you used to have the wheat sheaf, which was um, a lot of the time it's a really intricate loaf of bread. Um, and I remember my stepdad made it once because he was the baker. And it had a little mouse in it, and it was lovely. And that was my favourite part when they would, would cut the bread, and we'd all get a little bit each. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I was saying harvest because you know that Surrey's this country, like not too far from us. Mm-hmm. Is they do the harvest thing in it, and yeah. that's like the only harvest I knew what I was on about. Yeah, yeah. The, the um, This Country is a comedy programme over here in the UK. I don't know if it's available anywhere else, but it's worth a look. Bit about it's a, It is hilarious, actually, because it's it just um, it's spot on with a lot yeah, of like, village of life. Yeah, <laughs> of like the old style, like village life. Mm, they do like um, um, a scarecrow festival, yeah. don't they? And like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really good. It's really it's funny. funny. You've got to watch it. Yeah. Right, are you ready for the first story? Yes, I am. I lived in West Germany for eight years as a child. My father was in the US military and was stationed there twice, once from when I was two to six years old and again when I was eight to twelve years old. This was just before reunification in 1990. Our family, my parents, my younger sister and me, went all over the country, exploring, visiting parks and castles. Hiking through the woods, taking boat rides down the Rhine. The event I'm writing about happened when I was eight, my sister was three. 
We went on a hiking trail through the Black Forest. Not one of the long two to four day trails. This was a one day loop trail. The trail had rest stops, really just a flat place with a few benches and tables. Every five kilometres or so, we'd stop for a rest. My parents were sitting and talking with a Canadian family. My sister was in a stroller and I was playing in the dirt just off the path. More than anything else, I remember how peaceful everything was. The sound of the breeze through the trees. The way the light filtered down through the canopy. I cannot describe the immeasurable peace I felt. The absolute stillness of the woods was almost a physical presence. For some reason, I was so overcome with it, I decided to walk into the woods. I don't know how far I walked, but I was lost almost immediately. I could sort of hear the sound of people talking from the rest stop, but I had no idea which direction it was coming from. The odd thing, though, is I wasn't afraid at all. I still felt that immeasurable peace. I don't know how long I walked, but it felt like hours. Then I saw her. I say her because even without identifying sexual characteristics, the presence was so overwhelmingly feminine. She was a person, but not. Her skin was like skin, but also like bark. Like twisted twigs and branches woven together. Her hair was moss, green and fuzzy and short. No mouth, no nose. Her eyes were huge and oval, yellowish-orange iris with a tiny black pupil. They took up most of the face. There was no malice in them, just awareness and possibly sadness. She held out her branch hand to me and I took it without hesitating. It felt like wood, but alive, like a living branch but also flesh. She led me back to the trail, about 20 minutes away from the rest stop. I say lead, but that's not really it. We moved through the forest without moving. I still can't wrap my head around it years later. She let go of my hands and put a finger to her face as if making a shh gesture and then was gone. My parents were just packing up my sister when I walked to the rest stop. I thought I'd been gone for hours, but it would only been about 20 to 30 minutes. They had thought I'd walked up the trail a bit and then came back. Now here's where I need help. I need an artist, someone who can draw or do police sketches or anything like that to help me make a recreation of what I saw. I have no artistic talent whatsoever and I need to see what I saw again, but outside my memory. I need to put physical form to it. I dream about what happened occasionally and it leaves a haunting longing in my heart that I don't understand. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. That sounds like Kaleshi. Doesn't it? It just worked perfectly. Because, like, rooting around, what I really wanted was some stories about children whispering in the corn. Um, but I couldn't find any. But I thought this worked really well because it sounds just like a leshy. Now, I've had a few experiences with cornfields or wheat fields. Um, do you know that corn is, they used the word cornfield for like all of them. So we, oh, not like corn on the cob. That's something I found out only a couple of years ago. Because I am a bit thick. Anyway, shall I tell you about my cornfield experiences? Go on then. Right. I don't know what it is, but when, um, there's something about, now I don't know if this is like from a past life or not, but there's always been something to me about cornfields. And there's also been something to me about ponds, natural ponds, with all the algae and the lily pads on top, like loads of green algae. I don't know what it is. It could have been something from when I was young, but it's always given me this feeling that I can't quite describe. Yeah. Yeah. And cornfields. And then when we were 16, me and my friend stayed in, we stayed in Breen. You know Breen? Yeah. Not far from Western Supermare. And um, her mum had a caravan. And we stayed there. We just went down for the summer because I think her mum was fed up with us because we weren't working. We'd finished school and it was just like, just go away. So she sent us down to the caravan that they had and we stayed there for weeks. It was brilliant. But we also got really freaked out because we went to a neighbouring like campsite and they had full-on, really high, and it was like corn on the cob fields, these fields. And we could hear whispering children in in the corn. Yeah. And it was just like children of the corn. And it freaked us out. Now, whether it was an over, um, overactive imagination could well have been because I am guilty of that. I still have it and I still quite enjoy it, to be fair. But I don't know, there's something about really eerie to me. And it could be from the film Children of the Corn. Or whether I've got some false memories, I don't know. But something makes me feel really uncomfortable about cornfields. Yeah, like this type of stuff, like farms and cornfields and that. It reminds me of like old times, like old time like farms and that, where they'd have like all these things that they used to believe. Yeah. Witches and that. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's steeped in folklore. And, and that, that's what I love about it. And I think it's also that we're kind of really out of touch with all that stuff now. Because we just go to the supermarket and yeah. buy our food. You know, we're not really... Well, a lot of us aren't really involved with the process of farming and agriculture and all of that sort of stuff. And I kind of, in a way, I think I yearn for it a bit, you know? There's a part mm. of me that wants to... Yeah, there's part of there. me that wants to, uh, to like, uh, live somewhere by... Not, like, like on a farm, just, like, in the country. Mm. With, like, my little caravan and then... Aww. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Like, make hunting my own food. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, going back to nature, isn't it? Yeah. Which reminds me, actually, Emma, um, one of our listeners, she um, told me to watch this thing about the menopause. It's a comedy programme. And it's it's not it's filmed not far from here, and it's about this woman going through menopause, and that's what she does. She goes out to the forest and she stays in a caravan. And I'm like, yep, I could yeah. easily do that. And she meets all these wonderful people, um, and they they have their own like folklore traditions going on in this little village. It's brilliant, and if you do get a chance to watch it, it's it's really worth it. I made Rod watch it. It's on Channel 4 over here, and it's called The Change. Yeah, there's this there's this little documentary on YouTube of this guy, and like he got like evicted from his house and all that, and then he, he had a caravan, mm-hmm. and he just took it into the middle of a random woods. A, a random? random <laughs> a random woods. Yeah. And he just set up there, like a whole little, like, a campsite. Right. And he just lives there. Nice. And... He, like, lives in, like, in the jungle, so, like, whatever he finds in the jungle is, is, like, a treasure, because mm-hmm. he finds bare random bikes and that, right. with, like, different missing parts and all that, and what he does is he just fixes them up and, like, finds them. Just any bike he sees, he'll take it home, like, just a strand bike in the woods, he'll take it back and, like, fix it up or make the bike look cool or sell them, you know? Right. Oh, that's a nice, simple life, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I want to live like mm. when I'm older. With a simple life in that. Yeah. Right. Are you ready for the second scary story? Yes, I am. I realised after hearing stories from many cultures, remembering fairy tales and reading Glitch in the Matrix sub, that it's quite a common occurrence, imprinted deeply in human psyche. So much can happen in the forest. There are wild animals possibly bad people, and the unknown itself. I would like to tell you the very real story which I didn't think so much about but suddenly remembered. I hope you can imagine the place and directions well and that it won't be confusing. It was pretty straightforward to me. While hiking in Switzerland, I decided to see Matterhorn, the famous mountain, up close, as close as I could. So I left the village I was staying in early, Zermatt, and walked through the meadows, hills and then up the mountains to reach the plateau. Early in the morning, after just leaving the town, I walked the straight path, past some houses on the left, town behind, mountain ahead and forest on the right. In front of the forest, there were a few curious old huts on long legs, ones you climbed to by a ladder. They were all made of round planks and soot black. My imagination immediately called them witch huts, relating them to movies and legends I knew. They seemed close and I couldn't get into any of them, but I felt a slight shiver of excitement. Didn't really want to get in, so I kept on walking. I saw the mountain, met some people, had lunch and in the afternoon decided to walk back to town. I remembered the way and backtracked pretty much exactly. On my way back, the mountain was behind me, town ahead, houses and meadows on the right, and the black spooky huts on the left, guiding the entrance a path leading into the forest. 
I should note that despite checking out the huts in the morning, I didn't notice there was a forest path starting behind them. Curious about it, I checked the wooden road signs placed in the vicinity of the huts. To my surprise, the one pointing into the woods said Zermatt, but the one pointing to where I originally came from in the morning said some other town's name. I was very confused. I looked back and looked again, thinking that maybe my brain was tricking me, but I kept seeing what I saw. I stood there while few hikers passed in each direction, all stayed on the main path. Nobody went into the forest or looked at the raid signs. I sat there in front of the huts and smoked a cigarette. I thought whether I should go into the forest, why the sign showed such weird directions. I wondered if there was a reason I should go in. But I was already very tired to the point of my legs feeling weak, so I decided to go back the way I came from, to trust my gut and take the most common main path back to town. When I stood up, the signs were different again. There is no way anybody could rearrange them, no wind or human. I was there the whole time and the only people who walked by didn't stop at the signs. The one pointing to the forest said some other name and the one pointing to my starting point said Zermatt, like it should. I told this story to my friend in Zermatt and he just laughed at the idea of paranormal entities trying to lure me into the forest. I did have a creepy feeling about the huts, but at the same time it was a beautiful day and I still wonder whether there was some kind of adventure waiting for me if I took the forest path. They sound a lot like skimwalkers. What, from the, you mean the introduction? Like yeah. Some, some of them really do, don't they? Mimicking like family and stuff like that. Yeah. It's funny how the legends are really similar with, you know, just different names. Same, same, but different. Yeah. And that, the one that we've just done, that also sounds a bit like a leshy, doesn't it? That it was trying to, like, get the person deeper into the forest. Yeah, because there's apparently, with, like, skimwalkers and that, mm. they use, like, the voices of their victims that they just killed before to lure more in. Mm. Creepy stuff. Yeah. I love it. And I can't wait for the, for the harvest moon and the autumn equinox. I'm ready. Yeah. And then, obviously, we get Halloween. Yeah. I'll be watching <laughs> the scary movies again with a boy. I'd be watching them all the time anyway. Well, Roger and I watched, well, and Molly, that one that I said to you about called um, Talk To Me. Now, I must say, that film frightened me. Yeah. Right? I saw, I heard you not getting scared earlier yesterday. Yeah. It was frightening. It was like, it was so uncomfortable and dark that if you're into that sort of stuff, I thought it was wicked, by the way, watch it. I know it comes out on digital on the, um, around the 4th of October, I think it is. And um, yeah, it was freaky as. What's that f- film about Smile? It's called, what, the film called Smile? Yeah. Yeah. Have you not seen it? I don't know. Oh, it's. It's like you catch this smile. Oh, yeah. Let's watch some of it tonight. All right. Yeah? You up for it? Yeah. We can try and make Reese, but he's a bit of a pussy, isn't he? 
<laughs> nah, he actually is. And everyone watching like scary TikToks and he's sleeping over, he's like, turn that off, man. <laughs> I'm just like, no, it's normal, bro. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed. Please let us know what you like here. Yeah. Um, enjoy Autumn Equinox. I think we have got an episode before that. Um, so we'll catch up with you then and if you can it'd be lovely if you could leave us a review or a five star rating if you're enjoying the show take care everyone goodbye mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.